We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 118. Scott, how's the West Coast going? The West Coast is good. I'm out here in San Francisco for a kind of an extended weekend vacation. My wife has a conference out here, and uh, so I just kind of hopped in a plane and joined her and tagged along. We had a, a fun weekend. We went. Did also. I've never been out here before. I know you've been here a few times. You've actually, I think both of us now have recorded a podcast from San Francisco at one point. <laughs> Yeah, I uh, one of my best friends from growing up lives out there, and then I had another friend who moved out there for uh, about a year. So I've been to San Fran at least like ten times. Oh, cool! This is my first time. One here. of my favorite. It's one of my favorite cities in the country. Yeah, it's a really it's a cool city. I must say, it feels overpopulated though. the The downtown area, it's tiny at night. I know it's just like there's people freaking everywhere. I mean, it it feels like homeless. crazy. Um, but uh, yeah, we you know we've had a we've had a good time. I actually we packed in a lot of stuff. Headed out to Napa for a day too. Did some uh, Ooh, some of the redwoods. Not done that yet. We did. Uh, I'm going to Alcatraz tomorrow. I'm excited for that. That's going to be. It's a. I mean, it's touristy, but it's actually really fun. It's interesting. Yeah, and you, if it's a nice day, it's the best views of the city. Oh no doubt. Well, we have a. Um, we have that cruise that goes over there. I, I'm. I love that stuff. I love the, uh, like the whole, the whole storylines behind the guys at, at Capone going out there and. 
I don't know. I just, uh, I think it's really interesting. So even if it's touristy, I'm sure I'll be, I'll be in my, uh, in my element. It'll be fun. And I'll get some good pictures. I'm pumped for that. And then we got a boat ride that's going, uh, for sunset. Watch out now. Take some notes, gentlemen, uh, a catamaran going around the San Francisco Bay bridge and, uh, and the, the, the whole area, basically the skyline, um, at sunset for Valentine's day. So boom, gonna, Ooh. gonna be doing some, uh, some nice stuff. Well, it serves you. You had to do that because your wife, she's working. She's making all the money. She brings you out there for a conference. You got to pay her back in some way. Yeah, no doubt. Exactly. I'm lucky to be here. I'm, <laughs> I'm happy to be here. So, yeah, it's going to be uh, a lot of fun, and, and uh, we're going to do San Francisco right. So I don't know how many times I'll be back out here. It's kind of a trip, and to tell you the truth, it's a, it's a cool city. I, I don't know if I could see myself out here full time. I always kind of picture myself in a city wherever I'm visiting if I could live there. And... um it's just, it's just kind of spread out. California has that same vibe to me up and down. It's all just too spread out for me. Well, it's funny. I think San Francisco is the most compact California city. It probably is. You're right. It's a, it's a whole city packed into like seven by seven mile little area, whereas LA's got like 50 mile radius. They consider LA like all the way out to the desert, all the way to the beach. It's insane. We're staying a little bit outside the city. So that's probably why I'm thinking that as well, just because we've we ended up renting a car and going in and all this crap. So it's a, uh, but it's a cool city. I tell you, it's, there's a lot of people here though. I can't believe how many people it feels like. There's just, they're like everywhere. Well, uh, have you been to Manhattan recently? It doesn't feel, but Manhattan doesn't feel like I expected. I don't know. It just, it felt, it feels different. It feels like there's more per, per like square foot. <laughs> Do you have a chance to walk by the giant stadium? I drove by it. Yeah, I drove by it. I didn't get to walk by it, but we drove by it and I saw the, uh, it looks. It reminds me of Camden Yards, actually, because you wouldn't know the that it's actually does a stadium. Look like that. Yeah, yeah, it looks like a warehouse. Yeah. Um, I saw a Dodgers Giants game there. It's a great place to see to see a game. It's uh, right on the water. I mean, it gets cold. It's crazy how cold it gets at night in San Francisco, even in August. People people say August is like the the coldest month of the year, ironically. Um, but it was like 45 degrees at night at the game I was at. I was like, it's the middle of summer. What is going on? Yeah, it sneaks up on you too. It, it comes pretty quick. Uh, so as people are listening to this podcast, it is Pitchers and Catchers Day. Congratulations, everyone. We made it through the winter. Tomorrow you will see, or today as you're listening, you will see plenty of pictures of people walking in to this uh, spring training facility, even though I feel like a lot of Yankees have already shown up. It's been a good year for people showing up early and getting their work in. But uh, in honor of pitchers and catchers, that will be our code for the 25% off fan shop this week. Use code pitchers and catchers, all one word. Don't misspell it. I'm trusting everyone to spell correctly. Um, and you'll get 25% off. For, for someone who can't read very well, you're, you're asking a lot from people and demanding something about spelling and and words. I don't know if that should come from you. I don't read too good. <laughs> yeah, man, I'm, I'm excited. You know, we're going to hear a lot of interviews about people talking about how good they feel. That's that's something to look forward to. And and then we're going to see all sorts of reporters looking for any possible story they can get from all these guys there. It's going to be it's going to be a, a potluck of, of uh, pretty dull stories for probably about two weeks. The only time you really get a juicy story is if someone shows up 50 pounds overweight. Right, right. Or there's some something happens at night somewhere. A little, uh, little, Super, Bowl, little Super Bowl fun, you know, when, when they go and, and, and they go out 
everybody, you know, when, I think when you get with your boys again, things can happen because, right. you know, you get excited. It's like the first night when you have a reunion, like with college buddies or something, yeah. everything, everything goes off the rails really quickly. It's like 1030 at night and everyone's blackout. Exactly. Drunk. Exactly. So when you get, when the boys are back in town and you, you do, you're everybody's together, then, you know, damage can happen for sure. So hopefully everybody's minding their P's and Q's. Did you see the picture that Big Mike, uh, Mike Pineda posted on Instagram with him and his little entourage there? I've seen some, looking, I've seen some, some Pineda pictures and, and he looks... He was looking a little hefty. Yeah, yeah. Um, so my, my money is on Pineda for the out of shape uh, news this for the Yankees, but um, but do we really? He's been a big do we guy, really care? But he looked like do we care a that little he's a little extra around the midsection? I know, but do we really care about that? It's not like um, I don't think being in shape is going to help him much. Maybe he's on the CC diet. Maybe he's like CC got in touch with him and he's like, look, Mike, just just let it go, just relax, stop thinking about being in shape, stop thinking about pitching, stop thinking about you know dressing like you're. You're in the in 2017 because if you see his pictures, he definitely looks like he's like 1980s Miami Vice. Him and Severino, just let it go, just relax. And I think that's what it looks like he's doing. So maybe he's on the uh, the, the Captain Crunch, and he's going to come in. And he's just going to throw strikes, lots of them. All I know is he's pitching for a contract, so I don't care if he looks like CC Sabathia or like uh, Jake Arrieta, who's probably the most in shape pitcher. As long as he pitches well, that's all I care about. Spring training Bronx pinstripes outing will be down there the 24th and 25th of March. We're still trying to lock down a location for where we want to meet up with people, but that's a Friday and Saturday game. Um, it's after the world baseball classic. So plen all the players will be back. Uh, it should be, a, it, that's really like the last tune up before the regular season gets going. So it should be a really good weekend to be down there. Um, I had a lot of fun last year. I'm looking forward to it this year. It's a little over a month away. So uh, again, plan your spring training around the 24th and 25th of March. And uh, final bit of housekeeping news here. Uh, hopefully you guys heard and enjoyed the 61 podcast. Scott, I, I, we got some good feedback on Twitter, which was nice. Yeah, we did. It was the first time we have done something like that where it hasn't been a, a very you know current Yankees news podcast. Yeah, and I think this uh, this this new revelation that it was that it was decent and people liked it actually opens the doors for us for some some other stuff that we can do. I think so. Uh, you know, I think now our brains are going to be racked and, uh, and and getting some some good interesting stuff out there, Yankees related. So I'm glad everybody liked it. I had fun. I actually had more fun doing it than I was expecting to tell. If I'm being honest, <laughs> yeah, I you know, of, uh, you know, I was a little hesitant. You could tell. I kind of dragged you into it. Yeah, and that's fine. You know, that's what you got to do. You got to go outside your uh, your zone every once in a blue moon. But um, it was fun, and I think uh, I think we could find some more movies like that that are that have some Yankees ties to them. I mean, even baseball movies in general. I think we could do that and and bring it back to some Yankee stuff. There's a lot of things that we could do. So. Um, I'm glad people yeah, like it. Promise, we promise we're going to keep this podcast baseball, so we're not going to go off and start reviewing the new Star Wars movie or anything like that. But, uh, yeah, just because it's not uh, exactly Yankee-specific, uh, if we go with a baseball movie, I think people will enjoy that. Uh, we got some suggestions, one of them being Pride of the Yankees, which I have not seen, and also The Scout, which I believe I have seen. I think it's a, it's a, like an early 90s comedy, but um haven't seen it in a long time. So that's two potential... Uh, next movie podcast that we could do. Cool. I haven't even looked at a list yet, so we can. Uh, Pride of the Yankees is definitely one. The Scout. I don't even know what that is. I don't remember that movie. 
I don't either. I mean, I, I know I've seen at least parts of it, but um, <laughs> is it a Dennis Quaid? Anyway. Is it a Dennis Quaid movie or I mean, a, I mean, a, um, Kevin Costner <laughs> Kevin movie? Costner. No one got that joke. <laughs> Uh, all right, let's get into it. Of course, we released the podcast last Tuesday, and Chris Carter signed like five seconds after we released the podcast. But the Yankees kind of made some some news, definitely a surprise signing, that they signed Chris Carter, the NL home run leader from last year. He hit 41 bombs. He was also the NL strikeout leader with 206. So he's a Adam Dunn from the right side type player. One year, $3 million with a 500000 signing bonus and an extra 500000 in incentives. I feel like the reaction to this was uh, one of two. Either people hated it or people were saying, this is a great bargain, what, what's to lose? Which side uh, do you fall on or do you feel differently about it? I just don't understand why people hate it. I guess I don't. I don't see what the problem is with this move. Well, I'm about to tell. I'll tell you in a little bit because I'm one that hated. Okay. But, that hated. I it, mean, the, fa- the fact that you, the fact that Brian Cashman was able to get able to get a guy that hits 41 home runs as an insurance policy for for practically no money for three million dollars signing bonus of 500 and then another 500 on top of that with incentives, but that he's not going to get uh, because it's it's tied to at bats, which he's probably not going to have unless there's an injury and then it's a genius move. So the fact that this guy is literally the NL home run king from last year had 41 home runs and he's still out there and you get him for peanuts, why not? I don't really understand. I don't see a downside to this. The, the fact that you know everybody's talking about Tyler Austin this and Tyler Austin that, it's going to cut into the time. Well, maybe if he's not playing well, then, then yeah, it might cut into his time. But if he is playing well, they're going to find a spot for him because he can play the outfield as well. And your boy is sweating because he was playing some third base too. So I think Tyler, Tyler Austin has the flexibility where he can, he can still be an asset no matter what. What this does, though, this gives the Yankees some, some more leeway at first base with the right-handed bat and also gives uh, you know, some days off to Holiday with a right-handed because there was nobody else really that was going to take the right-handed at-bats for Holiday if he needed a day off unless you're talking about Tyler Austin, and I don't really think the Yankees see him in that role. So I think this, is a, this was a, a no-brainer when the, when the contract details came out. I think it's a no-brainer. Um, well, the reason I, I hated it for a few reasons. What you were saying about it, I, I think the biggest reason people disliked it was because they're fearful that it'll take at-bats away from the young guys, Austin, Bird, potentially Aaron judge um, a number of different guys could have at bats taken away from them. Um, Yes. He hit 41 home runs, but he also played 160 games last year. He's not going to sniff 150 games this year, 160 games this year, unless of course there's an injury, which we don't want, but he's, he, all he's going to do is if he plays sporadically, I just picture him being a four, four strikeout per night guy. I, I feel like he only, uh, his home runs is because he he swings out of his shoes every time. So yeah, when you when he gets 700 plate appearances for a season, he'll mash 41 home runs because he's just swinging as hard as he can at every pitch. And I understand it was only three million, potentially four million dollars, but uh, Brian Cashman was on with Mike Francesa last week, and the way he talked about Carter was that they signed him because he makes sense for the budget. And I don't like that. I, I rather sign players that make sense for the roster than make sense for the budget. This was a, this was a cheap option, so they're like, yeah, okay, because because it's only four million bucks potentially. Yeah, let's take a flyer on it rather than saying, what does our roster for 2017 need? What is going to have this team continue to develop? Because Chris Carter does not have this team continuing to develop. This is a 
purely one season thing and it's and it's he's 30 going on 31 years old he has no future with the Yankees all he's doing is taking away time from other people we rather see well see that's the thing he's he is just a a flyer I mean that's that's what it is you're talking about you want to see Cashman improve the roster at this point well at this point I think they were pretty set with the roster they were fine but when they saw the opportunity that this guy was going to be available for for that that number for that money then they had to do it I mean I, I totally understand it if they wanted to sign him and it was part of the roster and it was part of what they were doing to improve the team on the field and he was plan a or even plan b from the beginning he would have been signed already but he wasn't he was a guy that left stayed there and stayed there and stayed there and at the point when Cashman saw that he was still available and then hey maybe we could use another guy birds coming off of an injury we don't know what we're going to get with Austin yet at least this guy is some right-handed bat who can play first base and provide some insurance it, but that's the thing he's not a good fielder yeah he's he's terrible compared to where he had 41 home are, runs last year compared to where we he are 41 home defense backing up it's you know he's he's serviceable it's not he's not going to be the starting First baseman. He's he's not going to be that guy. He he was he hit forty one home runs last year and was barely above league average player. That's that, that's almost impossible to do. Again, this is a power move off of the bench. That's that's what it is. It's it's a backup move. It's a move that's that's there for. So now we're for signing four million dollar bench players. It's not that bad. I mean, Stephen Drew was uh, how much was he? Five. He was five million, right? <laughs> he played every day. <laughs> oh God! Yes, he did. To all of our dismay, he played every single day. And well, reportedly, it, Buster only reported that the Yankees were talking with Milwaukee even before they non-tendered him about a potential trade for, for Carter. So it seems like Cashman has kind of had a hard-on for him from the beginning. Um, that was before they signed Holiday, though. I, I Again, for the millionth time, I'm taking it back to Mike Napoli would have been a better fit. Because... Now, when you add up Holiday's $13 million plus Carter's 3.5, potentially uh, 4, you get $17 million. Mike Napoli just signed for one year and $10 bucks, And he fits into this roster a billion times better than the combination of Carter and Holiday. Well, yeah, I, I know. But the thing about Mike Napoli is that we're, we're talking about it's hindsight. We're, we're Monday morning, Monday quarterback, the, the Mike Napoli signing, because but that's one, what Cashman's job is to know the market and to figure this shit out. It, it is his job to an extent, but it's also his job to, to, um, to take what he, he can find out about the market and then make the right decision at the time and make the appropriate decision. And honestly, I don't think there's that much difference between holiday and Napoli. There, there just, there just isn't. And the fact that they knew they could get holiday, uh, and, and at that time for, a contract that they were comfortable with, they had to jump on it. And I don't think, I mean, obviously nobody knew that Mike Napoli was going to be available at this point. Whoever, uh, where'd he go? Texas? He ended up with Texas, right? I mean, they, they, yeah, made, a, they made a pretty well, obviously waiting and waiting and waiting. He has history in Texas. Um, so I don't know. The, it, it was a, that was a very interesting fluid situation because I think everybody was surprised that he was available at the price tag that he was available for when he signed. And, same thing goes for Chris Carter. I think. I think people didn't realize well, what why, he was going to be he available was out there for this whole money. time. Why did no one sign him? Well, I mean, you Milwaukee the, didn't want you him. You could say the same thing he about Napoli. Thirty. You could say the same thing he's, about Napoli. He's averaged uh, over the last four seasons, three or four seasons for Milwaukee, over thirty home runs, and they just kicked him aside like he's a piece of trash. Napoli is too much that of tells an, you something. Na Napoli is too much of an uncertain for me. I, I don't trust Napoli at all that he's going to do what he did in Cleveland last year. No, it, it's, of course, it's fishy. I mean he's. 
Of course it is. But that's what that's where the Yankees are right now. They're not looking for long-term solutions. Exactly. exactly. Greg Bird is supposed to be the first baseman of the future. So all we needed for this coming season was a backup first baseman who could hit right-handed and could also DH. And that is literally the definition of Mike Napoli right now. It's also the, literally Instead, the definition of Chris Carter. No, it's 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 not because Chris Carter is not as good of a hitter as Mike Napoli. Yeah, he might have more home runs, but he's a horrible hitter. And the Yankees already strike out too much. They don't put the ball in play enough. That's why they didn't score a lot of runs last year. It's a totally different roster. You can't compare last guy. year to this year's roster and how they're going to do. It's a totally it's different. Not a total different. It's not a total different roster. The only difference is subtracting A. Rod and Teixeira. That's pretty big. You're at it's a completely different middle of the lineup. You have you have Gary Sanchez for an entire year. You have Bird back in the middle of that lineup. It's a it's a very it, Matt Holiday. It's a completely restructured lineup. This lineup is All not going to strike out team, as much. The team was was bad at putting bat on ball, and we just signed the guy who's the worst in the league at putting bat on ball. Yep. Well, I just don't I don't believe it's the same team in the in the sense that they're going to be as bad striking out. I think there's going to be a lot more contact made this year. And the fact that Chris Carter is is there, I, I just don't see what the big problem is. I, re- I really don't. Why people are getting their panties in a bunch about this dude who signed for nothing and is going to provide some some pop. I, I'll I tell just you don't why. Get because it. he has it, who, who he has he, who's no roster spot is he taking with this team? We're 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 looking at something that's temporary, and he who's he could potentially take Tyler Austin's roster spot. If Tyler Austin does not perform, he will take his spot probably. But that's because he won't perform. It's it has nothing to do with the fact that Chris Carter's there. It has everything to do with the the fact that Tyler Austin doesn't perform. That's the only way or that if happens. They have, if they have identical springs, Austin will be sent down. Well, no, I think there's room for both of them. I think there's room for both. Someone's of them. coming off the roster. You're right, and I know, and I think we're going to get to that a little later. Because I got, I, just, I got a theory. <laughs> love, love it when your brain starts working. <laughs> um, I again, I just, I bring it back to this. Seemed like a a budget, uh, a budget decision, and not a roster decision. And the right now, the Yankees should not be. Uh, they should be concerned with improving their their roster for 2017. Plus a few years, not just a budget decision for the the next uh, one season. I don't like it. Fine. I I don't like Chris Carter. I don't like the type of player he is. I'm going to hate when he keeps striking out with guys on base. I already apologized on Twitter for all the shit I talk about him because I know it's coming. Well, I'm just happy that there's someone else besides Chase Headley now because I'm getting tired of that. So now we can at least direct (laughs) your anger towards somebody else. And that's fine. I'm happy with that because... Now maybe Chase Headley will be able to get some uh, cuts, get get some slack cut, and actually have a good season because you're not. It doesn't you're not tell you ass. anything that the Milwaukee Brewers, potentially the worst team in baseball, had no want for a 41 home run hitter. No, I I, I don't at all because I think the Yankees, st- while they are understanding that this is a, a process for a couple of years, I think in the back of their minds that if they add a couple pieces here and there, they might be able to compete for a wild card. And this type of guy, a power spot off the bench for that was just available at the end. They didn't think it was available. It wasn't a guy that they were targeting, but then all of a sudden is there for, for this money. Like, why the hell not? Let's see what happens. I mean, to tell you the damn truth, if he was, if he was really, didn't make the, the, uh, the, the roster out of spring training, I would not be totally surprised if they just ate that and just said, eh, we were just going on, on a whim and seeing if this guy um, could, could produce for us. I wouldn't oh, be no, surprised. There he's, no, I mean they're already paying. He, he's guaranteed three and a half million dollars, regardless. They're not cutting him out of spring training. I could see them cutting him midseason when he's uh, batted 150 times and has 91 strikeouts with three home runs. He'll have more than three home runs. 
His power is going to play pretty well at Yankee Stadium. Who says his power is going to remain consistent? Who says he's going to hit on a 40-homer pace when he plays three times a week? Me. I'm saying it. I think that's pretty difficult to do. Hot take. I think we've seen that time and time again where players cannot produce at the same level when they play sporadically. He's He's been a full-time player for, uh, to his credit, he's he's been an everyday player. He He's pretty durable for the Brewers. He played every day for them last year. He missed one game. So who says he's going to produce at that when he's only getting uh seven at bats a week and and uh he might pinch hit late in games but again it's the american league not the national league so pinch hitting does not come into play nearly as much that's why i think of this was a big roster move in the sense that it was a lot of it was a security move it was the best available at this time i think cashman was going to go and find somebody actually that that brings up a good point Security move. Do you think they have concerns with Bird? Yeah, I do. I, well, I don't know if it's their direct concerns about his health currently. More, more the fact that you know that could happen. You know, I don't know if they see anything currently, but they do know what the situation is. The situation is is that he's coming back from a major surgery. He has been out for a long time, and things can occur. Things can pop up. They don't really know how he's going to bounce back because they haven't seen it yet. So I, I don't know if there's direct concern because of his physical health currently, but I, I do think that. You know what they're doing is setting themselves up if that were to be the case, and I, I think that's smart for them to at least do that. You want to know how screwed up my brain is? As soon as I saw that the Yankees signed Chris Carter, my I'm not Greg exaggerating. Burtard. Yep, that was my first reaction. <laughs> yeah, well, that's how scarred I am, or maybe how negative of a person I am. I think it's the negativity. <laughs> the negativity has uh, scarred you. What did you think of Tyler Austin's comments on on with Francesa saying he was a little frustrated that the Yankees signed Carter? And to his fairness, to his credit, he went on to to say, "But he's another guy that can help us win." But I, I he did say I, I was a little frustrated at first, so he gave us an honest gut reaction to when he found out the news. Yeah, I like that. I have no problem with him talking about how he feels and that he's frustrated. He should be frustrated. He should have a chip on his too. shoulder. He- the dude's been working out at the complex since like. Uh, late December, it feels like. Maybe they I mean, maybe, busted so his Maybe ass. that's why they've signed him. Maybe that's why they signed Carter because they did see Tyler Austin work out for the past two months and they didn't Ooh, like it. What if? What if? And I'm sorry if I'm stepping on your conspiracy theory coming up later, but what if the Yankees have plans at just moving Austin to third base full time and getting rid of Chase Headley? Oh, you're now you're just getting way ahead of yourself. You're, you're getting too excited. Then I love the Carter signing. Not, <laughs> if if Chris Carter means no more Chase Headley in my life. Thank you, Brian Cashman. Not happening. I know. I know. All right. Any other thoughts on Chris Carter? I think we've exhausted it. No, I just think people need to relax. Let the guy play. It was it was a, a no-risk signing. Who cares? Ooh, it's fine. Relax. Taking a page out of Aaron Rodgers' book. R-E-L-A-X. So about two weeks ago, you and I stated, proclaimed on this podcast that only – um, Didi Gregorius would be playing in the World Baseball Classic. And now it turns out that 10 Yankees in the organization have confirmed for the uh, World Baseball Classic. Off of the Major League roster, Dellen Batances will be on the Dominican. Severino is uh, on the Dominican as well, but he's part of the designated pitcher pool. So I guess he'll only get called upon if one of their pitchers gets hurt. Or, or I'm not entirely sure how that works. Tyler Clippard with the U.S., Tommy Lane with Italy, and Richie Blyer with Israel designated pitcher pool. Did not know he was Jewish. Um, but uh, th- the reason I did not think any other Yankees um, would be on the teams, and it, this does not really apply to Batances, but I didn't think any of them were good enough to make these teams. 
Well, I think Clippers definitely good enough to make the the bullpen of of a USA team. I think they. I don't know how many guys okay, they yeah. have. I can imagine. You're right. No, you're you're totally right. How big are, how big are these rosters? I have to assume they're they're relatively expanded, right? Just to make sure that guys oh, don't yeah. get, get overworked. So because they're not going to overwork pitchers. Exactly. So they're going to have a lot of guys, a lot of bodies on these on these rosters, uh, just in case things happen, or not, not to overwork guys. Because I'm sure they have some pretty strict instructions from the Major League Baseball, from the Major League teams. You know it. We just, I, I guess all these guys were late ads or they just didn't tell anybody that they were playing. But, um, you know, the, the biggest one, to, obviously the big two, are Batantis and, and Severino. And Severino doesn't, if that designated pitcher pool is kind of like a reserve spot, then I'm not that worried about it. The only problem with that to me is that he's not with the team, not working out, not doing all that stuff. But it's not for that long. Batantis, I'm not really, I guess he just doesn't care anymore. <laughs> he's just like, you well, know no. what? You don't sign me. I'm going to go play for the WBC yeah. because you guys don't care about me at all. And I don't care how my arm feels at the end of the season. I'm going to go work it <laughs> even exactly. more in the WBC because oh I've never God. had arm fatigue. That's not that's we've not gotta, me. We've got to now add up his WBC pitches in addition to his regular season pitches, in addition to all the bullpen warm-up pitches he throws. He's going to have like a 10,000 pitches by the end of the season. I know B whip. Arms is that what it, be falling. Would you just say bullpen warm up pitches? B whip, B whip. Kind of like that. I like it too. It's probably already a stat though. Um, but uh, I understand though. This is Batansis's first uh, chance to go to the WBC and potentially his last. So I totally understand why he wants to go. I again, Isn't I understand from the why Bronx? all these players. <laughs> Isn't Dylan Batansis from the Bronx? Yeah, but A Rod was born in Washington Heights, but he played for the Dominican. And when we were talking about that, I'm pretty sure that it did happen. And I think it was reversed, though. I think Didn't he play for the USA first and then went to the Dominican Republic team? Yeah, it sounds like Yeah, that's, that sounds way more of an A-Rod move. Dylan Batances just yeah. chose the, you know, his, his uh, ancestry, and that's fine, even though he's from New York. <laughs> um, Last last week we also kind of made fun of the Dutch for probably sucking and being one and done, but it turns out they finished fourth place in 2013. Um, Eric Wink or Wenk uh, at E I K K I E R on Twitter clarified this uh, for us. He sent me a link to the to their roster. Um, I always kind of forget that there's some uh, Dutch territory in South America, so they have a, a pretty big pool of players to pick from because Bogarts Xander Bogarts is also on this team, so. Between Bogarts and Didi, they've got two of the best shortstops in the league. Yeah, they have. Uh, it's not South America; it's in the Caribbean, right? It's uh, Antigua or Caribbean. Isn't it Antigua? Yeah, it's Aruba, Antigua, but isn't also Brazil part of Brazil, a Dutch territory? I didn't. Brazil's weird. Brazil's like got like fifty different nationalities in it. Yeah, yeah. I didn't. I didn't think Brazilian players though played on the Dutch team. I don't know. I do know that that like you said, the Aruba and then Antigua as well. And he's from Antigua. I think he was born in. In uh, in Europe, and then grew up in Antigua. Anyway, yeah, that's uh, they do have some good shortstops, but you know Simmons can't hit. They're, they'll they'll field their asses off. They're gonna be a hell of hell of a defensive team up the middle. Their defensive metrics are gonna be off the chart. Yeah, they, I mean these guys grew up together playing short and and uh, and second base. I think so. That'll be good stuff to watch. It'll be fun fun to watch. Maybe some we get some Ozzy Smith like highlights from those two. <laughs> Egg on our face though. They finished fourth <laughs> last time out. Who pitches? Who throws the ball? I don't, who knows? I, I, does pitching really matter in this stuff? I feel like offense is what... what uh, okay, so what who's hitting the, the ball WBC. for the Dutch team then? Maybe it, I, I don't think the U.S. players care. So, 
So I think it's team, team like a lot of these players for the Dutch have probably been playing together a long time. That's true. They do a lot of these guys. That's it. That's I think one of the uh, one of the downfalls for the USA team is these guys. Not all of them, like a, very few of them, play together for a long time. Whereas you come to these smaller countries that play baseball all the time. A lot of these guys grew up playing with each other and you know have uh, have similar styles. There's a there's a lot more variance I think in the U.S. than than if you go to like a Dominican team or a Venezuelan team. Um, because a lot of them actually play in the winter together as well. So there's there's definitely a lot more uniformity I think with these uh with these Caribbean teams. It's kind of like in the Little League World Series. Kind of like in the Little How League you... World Series, yeah, but the USA is good in the Little League World Series. It doesn't really apply there. Well, they've got the USA has like a thousand teams and then you get one team from from Japan, one team from Taiwan. I always thought that was unfair. That other countries get to send one team and the US has like a team from every state it seems. There's still there's a whole bunch of of regulations and restrictions on it still there they have a they have like a levels of tryouts that and even in like a Taiwanese team they have to have I can't even explain it right now but it's it's <laughs> yeah why I was like, I'm trying to I'm, I have it in my head but I can't I can't like get it out of my mouth there's there are still restrictions that that limit them from making just like one big super team though yeah because you can't um, do that in the U.S. either like you can't do it in a, in a specific township you have to cut the team up I remember when I yeah. when I coached there was an A and a B league and they did that so that the players were split up and the B League could only send one all-star team, whereas the A League had to send a separate all-star team. You couldn't have one town all-star team. How many 14-year-olds that didn't have uh, accurate birth certificates Daniel were they allowed to send? Yeah. As many as I could get in there. My Photoshop skills were on point for that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, uh, that guy has a 5 o'clock shadow and he's six six. I don't think he's 12 years old. Look at that ID. There's no 5 o'clock shadow there. He hit puberty. It is pretty funny when you see some kids who clearly have hit puberty and they're like six feet tall, 200 pounds, and then you got some shrimps in there like 5'5", five, five, 110 pounds. Yeah. It's totally unfair. 5'5 five, five is pretty tall for that, though. I mean, some of these kids are like 4'10". Yeah. Small strikes, though. Yeah. All right. Uh, moving on. The uh, I wrote something about this last week, about the pace of play in baseball. Uh, this has been like a long-running issue. Uh, Manfred has kind of made it one of his top priorities is to improve the pace of play in baseball. So um, we briefly mentioned that they're adjusting the strike zone and also getting rid of intentional walks uh, last week. Um, they proposed that uh, to the players' union, so those could be in effect this coming season. Um, but now uh, it was announced that they're in the lower levels of the minors testing an extra innings rule where they place a runner on second base to start extra innings. Obviously, obviously, this is to speed up extra innings so you don't get those 15, 16, 17 inning games. Uh, even Joe Torre talked about how those are terrible for your, for your team. It's really bad. It taxes your bullpen and all that kind of stuff. It's still rare that you get a 15-plus inning game. And uh, me being a diehard baseball fan, I enjoy those because that's when all the wacky shit kind of happens and you see position players pitch. But uh, I guess the league doesn't like that. And I, and I understand why. I mean, if you're if it's uh, game 107 and it's the middle of July and it, you don't need 18 innings to decide a game, I totally understand that. But this whole runner on second base thing opens up a huge can of worms. And I know it's only the lower level of the minors, and it's next to impossible that it would actually be put into play in Major League Baseball. But if it ever was, I would freaking hate it. The fact that they're actually testing it out, though, is scaring me, to tell you the truth. The fact that they're actually implementing it at some level at all in baseball is scary to me. 
it, it's it's so gimmicky and ridiculous, and it's like Manute Bowl coming and getting signed for a contract to go play in some ridiculous some small town in South Carolina, and and, and them selling out because Manute Bowl is going to go out there and take a take a, a swing at a seven footer trying to hit a baseball. It's 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 that type of gimmick. It's it's like a it's a circus. It's like beer soft. It's like what they do in beer softball leagues. It's 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 like kickball leagues. It's not even softball. It's like kickball <laughs> leagues. It's ridiculous. If you start with a runner on second base, and you touched on this in your article, there are so many problems with that. First of all, it's ridiculous. The the, the I, whoever put the idea out there in the first place should have been slapped, open hand slapped across the face, and. The fact that they're actually implementing it, I don't know who said, oh, yeah, like there's a bunch of people that said this was a good idea. Th- yeah, that's let's a run through the problems. Let's run through okay, the problems. Okay, you're going to bunt. The, who's the, who, you're bunting. Who's the runner? Right, who is well, the first, runner? Let, first thing, who's the runner? Okay. Is it the guy who made the last out? That's what it is, is in it softball. Or is it a pinch runner? <laughs> right, is, it's probably the guy who made the last out, right. but may, what if it's a pinch runner? Can you reuse that pinch runner? Is that an extra roster spot? You have like, uh, we can uh, call up Jorge Mateo and just put him on second base because he's our fastest guy? Okay, there's problem number one. The first thing that managers are going to do is they're going to bunt, right? Yes. Because anytime you lead off an extra innings or a late innings game with a double and it's a close game, you bunt. So there's a runner on third with one out. Infield comes in. And now it, now it's uh, bloop, bleeder, wild pitch, number of ways the runner can score. I have no doubt it will achieve what they're going for to shorten games. But why are, why are we – that is completely taking – the result of the game out of the pitcher's hands. It's very rare that a pitcher, with uh, when he leads off, when he gives up a leadoff double, prevents that guy from scoring. I mean, it's extremely difficult. So that's totally unfair to the pitchers. What even if you have Mariano Rivera out there, he's at a disadvantage, and you should not be at a disadvantage when you have Mariano Rivera on the mound. Yeah, the whole thing is too gimmicky. I I don't even know why it's actually in play. And yeah, I mean, what are they going to do next? Start off with a one and one count with one out. Uh, they're going to start implementing, you know, all of these forced uh, opportunities in, in baseball to decide a game. I mean, if you're in the 16 or whatever inning of a game, you want that to be the deciding factor, some stupid rule where some guy starts what, out at second base. What happens in the playoffs? Do they get rid of the rule in the playoffs? Or is game seven of the World Series between the Cubs and the Indians going to be decided because a runner starts on second base? I don't know. I mean, I would assume that because the rosters expand, they would get rid of something like this. But then again, now you're changing the rule. Now you're changing right. the game. Now you're playing two different games in the regular season yeah. and, and the playoffs. That is, that's even stupider. It's terrible. It's absolutely That's like how terrible. in football, in football, how they don't call – in basketball, they don't call close, close penalties in the, in the playoffs. But they, they call ticky-tack pass interference penalties in the regular season. It's like, well, now we're playing two different games. There are real ways that they could do that they could speed this game up that that are not gimmicky like that. But a lot of them even off the field, right? A lot of these ways to slow down or to speed up the game are taking away dollars for Major League Baseball and it's shortening the times in between things, but you're also at that point then limiting advertising time and you're you're shortening that up which leads to lost revenue for a league that will not lose revenue. So, do they really care that much? No, because they could do it if they wanted to. Well, you're saying shorten the uh, the time between breaks. the innings. Yes, they're never going to do that. I know, but if they, they wanted to speed up the game and that was really a problem for them, that's something that they could do right now with no problem. They could the pitch clock. I wrote in my article: pitch clock is the only way you're going to speed up the game. It's the only time that you can shorten without taking away revenue. It, Twenty second pitch clock. It's and it's not going to really make that much of a difference. It's really not. No, I mean. It, it, 
it uh, it'll shorten it a handful of minutes, but that's a handful what of minutes, right? That's what they're going for. How many extra inning games are there? Not that that's I mean, the thing. Still, like, why are we so worried about these games that don't happen that often? Yeah, we're worried about extra inning games, which happen maybe I don't know. I I would guess eight to ten percent of the time, right? Yeah, if that. I mean, it's just right. it's so rare. You're worried about you're worried about intentional walks, which happen to every two games, every three games, to take away a minute of action. So, like, so, so it's what? like they're looking at a at a game clock for a week of baseball, and they're trying to slow that and they're trying to speed that up by a, a few minutes, rather than looking at an individual game and how long each game takes because real because of things that happen in, in every single game, like like you're saying, like the pitcher or uh, you know the time between innings. They're not really doing things for that. They're they're doing random, random, you know, uh, places in a game that don't happen very often that are not going to speed each individual game up. It's like they're just we, trying to throw a bone to people and 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 assume that we're all stupid and we're like, oh, okay, they're trying to speed this game up. When in reality, they're not doing that. What they're doing is they're messing with a great thing. What if if you get to the fifteenth inning, you have to take away your right fielder? Again, I hate it. I hate all of these little changes. I think they're so ridiculous. What if if you get to the thirteenth inning, someone from the crowd has to come in and pitch? Yeah. Okay, that's fine. What if you juice the balls in extra innings? The home run. You use the home run derby balls. The one that was that's like yellow and gold, like the the extra money ball. I, yeah. That, the State Farm extra money ball. We can use that in extra innings until the More until a pitcher gets nailed in the head with a comebacker that just that's coming back like two hundred miles per hour. <laughs> you can only throw fastballs in extra innings. How about underhand? Pitch machine. Underhand? Pitch machine in extra innings. Wind tunnel. I like that one. That all was my favorite. Are equally, the fan, the all, fan behind. The big fan comes out. Create a wind out. tunnel. Yeah, yeah. Like they used to do in the, in the Metro Dome. I like that one. I like that rule. Let's just, let's just have a home run derby. How about that? Uh, How about we just do a home run derby? Yeah. How about we do that? Like It's like a penalty like kick. Like the NHL. Yeah. The NHL yeah. ends, their, ends their, ex, their overtime games on a shootout. See, now we're talking. Now that's something that would be fun. You go nine innings, but, you tie a game, you guys pick three guys, we pick three guys, the, the pitching coach or the, the bullpen uh, coach goes out there and throws the, the batting practice or throws the, um, the balls to the players. Oh, no, see, I think it would Bam. be better if it's, like, if it's a pitch machine that's throwing like 109 miles an hour. No, just a home run derby. Let's just see a home run derby. Boom. Well, now Bobby Cano's dad comes out and throws pitches. Chris Carter makes sense now. Oh, lethal. Lethal extra inning weapon right there. You would get guys like William Opeña and Chris Carter hanging on to teams like um, – uh, what, what am I thinking? Dude, you would get guys from those softball leagues who hit home runs playing in the major leagues as a weapon yeah. for the net, for the, uh, for the major leagues, for the extra. It'd be fantastic. Like you yeah. get in hockey, you get, you get the enforcers hanging on until they're like 47 years old. Yeah. Cause they can, they can take punches. Exactly. You get, you get fat guys who have done a lot of steroids in the nineties to hit home. Barry, runs. Barry Bonds would come. Jose back. Canseco. Perfect. Oh, <laughs> he'd be great. Yeah. Now we're talking, maybe we should start a different league. It'd be like the X games. It would be the equivalent of when, the XFL. Yeah, the steroid, the uh, steroid baseball. MLB's back on steroids. That could be the. We're back on steroids. Jose Canseco versus Mark McGuire. Come see it. I like. It that. would just take if this actually like say starting this year there was a runner on second base to start the extra innings. The first team to lose that way would be so pissed off that it would it would cause mayhem. Yeah, it's not going to happen. They just need to. They just need to back off. Just stop. Stop messing around. All right. Before we get into mailbags, I want to take a second to remind people, if you have not done so, please, please, please give us a rating and review in iTunes. Um, they're creeping. They're uh, 
going up one by one each week, and it's great to see. We appreciate all the positive feedback. Uh, if you're if you've been a long time listener or you're a short time listener, just uh, go in there, give us five stars, give us a nice review. It actually really does help out the show's rankings in iTunes, especially with the and season as, coming up. Especially with the season. just what I was gonna say. People are gonna start getting into baseball again. They're gonna be searching Yankees. They're gonna be searching baseball. We're gonna be showing up. It's gonna be good news for everyone. All right. <laughs> You ready to get into some mailbags? Let's do it. You read the first one because it's long. Oh, my God. It is long. Good Lord. All right. This one's from Mark. He said, hey, guys, I've been a listener for over a year now, and I live in Tampa for three years. Heard you will be in Tampa and sucks because I will be going to the game on March 26th. We will be gone. I would love to have met up. But if you live in Tampa, first of all, let me stop there. If you live in Tampa, you could come out and meet us for a beer. So, you know, you could still hang out. I would love to have met up with you guys. Also, Seminole Heights is now becoming a hipster area, so it's not like walking through the hood of the Bronx. And, and that's fine, because last year we definitely had our lives in our hands with, we were walking around Tampa. Here's my question slash hot take. With the Matt Holiday signing, why didn't we sign Pedro Alvarez? He's an, a New York City native from the Heights. He's a lefty batter. Why get a second right-handed bat who could do the same thing as Holiday? If they're both one-year deals, get the lefty for the short field porch it seems like we will be a right-handed heavy lineup in the near future. Sanchez, Frazier, Torres, Mateo, Anduar, Castro, <laughs> Judge, Austin, come on. Not to part. mention Machado when we sign him. Hopefully Carter doesn't send Bird back to AAA. We need to have Sanchez, Bird, Judge for the batting order, in the batting order. You need to buy me a drink for that. For, uh, we, you do need to meet up with us and buy me a beer for, for reading that. And, and then mentioning Frazier, Torres, Mateo, Anduar, in the in this uh, in this sentence of of bats that we're gonna have to deal with in our lineup this year. Uh, well, I mean, uh, go, playing by these rules, Bird, uh, uh, Bird, Didi, and um, uh, I guess that's it. Those are the only two lefties, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, take a guess. How many home runs did Pedro Alvarez hit for the Orioles last year? Uh, I'll give you. Hold on. I'll give you a hint. He uh, batted three hundred and seventy six times. Okay, uh, 12 home runs. 22. Mm. That's cool. It's an interesting... Nobody wanted to sign him either. He was the guy who signed very late, and I think he was uh, attached to a, a, a draft pick, if I remember correctly, from the Pirates. Yeah, from Pirates. I don't, know, I don't remember about the draft pick, but it's an interesting uh, take. I, I, it's interesting because I, I'd say if you uh, rewound a year, we'd be saying the lineup is too left-handed heavy right. with Ellsbury and... Um, Ellsbury Gardner, Didi, the fact that um, I think Teixeira's better side was always the left side, or at least that was his more power side. So interesting how the tables have turned. There, you know, there's still there's st- the fact of the matter is the the Ellsbury is also in there uh, as a guy who will hopefully contribute more. I mean, they're they're ta- they're not going to get power, but they're hoping that he can return. You know, he's going to hit the ball four inches further out in front of the plate. And he's going to be able to hit the ball better. That's that's yeah, that's then, the plan. See, people, when that came out and and they said he's going to try and hit the ball further out, that takes away like sixteen times on base when he gets on by catcher's interference. That's true, which is which is pretty it's nice like for fifteen him. points off of his OBP. <laughs> um, I don't know, you know, Pedro Alvarez, he wasn't on the radar. It's just again, like I said, they 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 saw an opportunity. I think that was just too good to pass up, and they they jumped on it. I don't think it's anything more than that. 
I think people are getting too worked up about this Chris Carter thing. Well, no, I don't. I think it's slightly more than that because if we believe Buster, the Yankees were gonna, were thinking about trading for him before. So but they, they didn't. They have liked him, but they didn't. They didn't sign him. I mean, Cashman's no, they've had taken, their eye on. They had their eye on. All him. that means is that Cashman had a conversation with somebody about something at, at some point. It was a passing conversation. Do you know how many of those conversations we could probably? Brian Cashman Buster has Pullman, a Chris Carter fathead in his office. Buster Holney could probably, if anybody signs with the Yankees tomorrow, he could say, "Oh." Brian Cashman did have a conversation with that guy two years ago about signing him, making a trade possibly. Because that's, what, that's his job, is to go out there and find out what value is, find out what it takes to get certain guys. He has a, a, a lay. You know, Girardi has his binder. Cashman has his binder. Chris Carter was on Hal Steinbrenner's fantasy baseball team. Well, perfect. Now he's going to do very well for his own team. So he's going to win in fantasy and on the field. Great. I did love all of the... Um... Spray chart overlays. People immediately like, oh, now Carter's going to hit 49 home runs at Yankee Stadium. It's like, all right. When he gets 750 plate appearances. All right, you. Uh, let's move on to the next mailbag. Scott in Ottawa says, hey, guys, really enjoy the interviews you guys did with prospects during this really slow offseason. I want to know about your guys' baseball careers, Little League, high school, etc., and any funny baseball stories while you guys were playing. Scott, what uh, what level did you play until? I actually stopped playing high school baseball my sophomore year because I couldn't pick up a ball and throw it any further. I had a I had a really bad elbow injury. It still is a problem, and it just uh, I, I couldn't even practice. So I actually stopped playing. I was playing JV my sophomore year, and that was it. I stopped playing, um, and position? then I and then I picked it back up. I pitched and played second base, and then I picked it back up. In, uh, in when I was in college, and then I played for like six years after college uh, in a summer league. And that is actually when I, my arm was, feel, was feeling a lot better. My elbow today is complete trash. Like I could throw for maybe 10 minutes and then I'm, I'm done. And I can't pick a ball up for like a week. Um, I played, the funny, uh, funny thing about my arm now is I played in a dodgeball league just for fun with some friends on a Friday night. This was like three years ago. And I could not lift my arm for an, a week after I played in this thing because I, I, you know, you go out there and you throw these sponge balls as hard as you possibly yeah. can. And I literally couldn't lift my arm for, for arm. a week. It, it affected my life. I couldn't do things for the entire week. And then it was like a, it was just a terrible cycle because the following Friday I would do it all over again. Um, <laughs> it's like, have you ever tried to throw a golf ball really far? You, you completely throw your shoulder out. Yeah. It's like playing wiffle ball. It's the same thing. No, but my I didn't I actually didn't play a lot in in uh, in high school, and then uh, I I played the majority. Um, I played a lot more baseball when I was in my twenties when I played in that summer league. So that was where I uh, I actually had the most fun playing. It was a it was a good time. It, we had we had a really we had a good team and we had a fun team. We had a a lot of guys who played uh, at different colleges all over the country and and were playing at their in, in this summer league, and then um, we we. We drank a lot of beer and, like I said last week, a lot of uh, Rebel Vodkas. So it was, a, it was a good time. Do you feel like if you didn't get an elbow injury, you would have really been something? Like, you know how, uh, what's his name, Uncle Rico and Napoleon Dynamite is reminiscing about the old days. He could throro football over a mountain. Could you uh, throw 90-mile-an-hour 90, 90 heat if you didn't have your elbow injury? No, I never could throw hard. That was, that was one thing I, I couldn't do. But, but you're like crafty Greg Maddox. Yes, I could locate. I can, I can still locate now. I could you, throw. Out, you were outthinking the hitters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can, uh, I can throw a ball wherever I want to throw the ball. I mean, that's, that's something I've, I'm very accurate with, with when I throw. And, and that's, that's stayed true. So I, I do have accuracy. I think we should have a skills competition in Tampa. I think, and we should record it. 
I think it'd be fun. Dude, I have not played base. I have not done baseball activities. Oh no, it doesn't. No, I'm not, I'm not talking about real activities. I'm talking about like you know putting putting a um, a, a a a beer bottle on a, on top of a bucket and and trying to hit it from second base. Things like that. Like like carny like car- at carnivals. Yeah, like you know, like they do in the minor leagues, to to uh, to, to win a game. Like the Tom Amansky drill videos thrown yeah, into the Yeah, we could the, go through the, the Tom Amansky drill. And, yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, Fred McGriff. I just remember those commercials. Uh, I was a catcher through high school. Through my junior year of high school, I was a catcher. And then I tore my meniscus. And I was like, screw this. Because I'm not going anywhere in baseball. I'm not going to play in college. I do not need to uh, deal with a shredded knee for for uh, for some varsity uh, high school baseball. So... I gave it up my junior year and uh, I always, I liked baseball. I didn't love it. Love playing it though. It's kind of weird. Cause I, it's all I, all I did was watch it. But um, as far as uh, playing it, I could, I could take it or leave it when I was out there. Oh man. That's my, by far my favorite sport playing. I, I really, I love playing. I mean, I still, I still go out and, and try to play. Uh, oh, I do. I play, I play in a co-ed softball league. Now that's, that's where I am. I would have fun in softball. I would like to play in a softball league, but as far as baseball goes, I, and do you have any funny stories? The one that I always go to is that I was uh sophomore year practice. Um, and it was the first time I ever did uh, uh dip. And it was the last time I ever did dip because I kind of puked. Like similar to the sandlot, but it wasn't on a, it wasn't on a Ferris wheel. It wasn't on it was a just- ride. I just kind of like spit up all over my shirt. I had like dip spit on my shirt. It was disgusting. That's nasty. I don't really have any funny stories. I guess the uh, we were just, we would bowl. We would bowl in the dugout. That was we had this like plastic set of uh, of of uh, bowling pins and bowling balls. And when games started getting slow, we would uh, we would pull them out and we would start bowling in the dugout. See, the games wouldn't have been slow if you had a runner on second base to start extra innings. That's true. Next mailbag is from Andrew in Connecticut, and he says, I know the answer, but give me some hope and maybe lie to me. Any chance at all that Austin can beat out Hicks for the fourth outfielder spot? Guardy can be backup center fielder. I'd rather see Austin over Hicks now with Carter around. So here's my conspiracy theory. I don't think, I don't think Aaron Hicks is going to be on this team for very long. I think I think Aaron Hicks is the guy that's gonna that's gonna fade away into the into the sunset. I think this we saw him last year. We saw him for a pretty long time, and he did absolutely he got nothing. semi regular playing time for a while. Yes, there. and he did nothing. He did absolutely nothing offensively. And to tell you the truth, everybody talks about how much range he has in the outfield, and we all know about his 105 miles an hour, 105 mile an hour uh, ball that he throws from the outfield. But I don't particularly think he plays a great outfielder either because he he takes over and over again we saw him take bad routes to the balls you know there are certain things that he I think he would have caught you know for Carl, for all of the 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 problems that Carlos Beltran had out there at least the guy would take you know good routes to the balls he would probably he probably covered more range than he should have um you know towards the end with with the everything was broken basically and you know Carlos Beltran yeah he would still take decent angles at balls and no. would and would make some plays okay he took good angles at balls he just came up 15 strides short the problem with Aaron Hicks is that he's got the athleticism but I don't think he plays that great of an outfield and if he's not going to hit the ball he gives you no flexibility really he gives you yeah he, he's just well, he's a guy he's that's, a, that's that's really you know he's he's not that much he doesn't it's have like that having much value. a pitcher he's, it's like having a pitcher in the lineup 
That's what he was last year. And, I mean, I think they like his defense and the fact that he can play all three outfield spots. That's something that Tyler Austin and Rob Refsnyder and name Matt Holiday, name your backup outfielder. Only Hicks can play center field. So he's got that going for him. That's why I think he breaks camp with the Yankees. Yeah, but we're also looking at uh, uh, Mason Williams is another guy who came on the scene late last year that that will compete with him. I mean, you're, you're talking about a guy who can play all, all outfield positions. Uh, Mason Williams has got a much better bat right now than Aaron Hicks. I mean, Mason Williams came up. I, granted, it was a very short time. That. Yeah, he was hitting. He hit 300. He, he was hitting the ball well. I know it was a short sample, but at least he showed something. This is a guy that was a very highly touted prospect, had some injuries, and is now supposedly healthy he he showed last year that he was healthy he's uh he's got the he's got the speed and athleticism to play that's a guy that that could very well compete with Aaron Hicks and why are we why are we keeping a guy like Aaron Hicks around if Mason Williams is out there who could play all these positions but also add some some uh, some offense there, there's going to be people competing there, the outfield is extremely deep I think with the Yankees organization yeah so uh guys like Aaron Hicks are, are definitely not secured a job so I, I could see him not making the the team yeah, see, I, that's a that's one of those that I just I know Girardi and I know his thinking on a roster and how he loves to put in his defensive subs, and I I just see Hicks on this team unfortunately. Mason Williams, watch um, out, he's going to be the remember guy. Remember the two week span when Hicks started hitting and everyone w- was uh, was getting all their their panties in a bunch about Aaron Hicks. That didn't last. Very it was long, the Jackie Bradley Jr. talk again, the ridiculous speak of Jackie Bradley Jr. and Aaron Hicks. But but it kind of goes back to why Tyler Austin was a little frustrated because he he knows he's at a disadvantage in the outfield. His chance at making this team was first base, and now that was his best chance. Maybe third base. <laughs> oh, let's everyone should cross their fingers and uh, hope that's true. Uh, all right, what do we have next? Next is from Kyle Roberts on Twitter at k roberts zero eight four four. He said, hey, guys, love listening to the show. I live in Colorado, originally from Connecticut, and really enjoy hearing Yankees talk. Good work on being number one. If you guys were players, what are your at-bat songs? And this is something that we definitely talked about in, like, episode one or two. Episode number one. Yeah. Yep, it was episode number you one. You know what I realized so. is I went back to, to listen to that. When I saw this message, I went back to, to check out episode one. iTunes only has – they stopped. They don't have the entire uh, roster. They, I think they might only keep a hundred. So oh, really? we might have to start a feed for the archives. Ooh. Yeah, because I could only go back to like seventeen. You can get, like it, on the, you can get it on the website, right? Yeah, you can go on the website. But it, I was on my phone. I was looking at iTunes at the time, and I noticed that. So uh, we might have to start like a little archive for the the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Yeah, this was something that we we mentioned in our first ever episode, and we planned on getting every guest who came on the show what their at bat song would be. And I think we did it for the first guest and then forgot <laughs> yeah. to do it from there on out. It, it definitely was short-lived. Um, it like many things that we mean to do and just forget about. Yes. Or plan to mine, do it and then just don't do them. Right. I said mine was Dear Mr. Fantasy by Traffic. Yeah. And uh, I'm sticking to it. I still think that uh, that would be my go-to. Yeah, that's a great song. I had. I, I think I mentioned two. One of them was a, a Lupe Fiasco song. Although Lupe Fiasco really disappointed me with his last album. Like the first five or six tracks are just terrible, and then he gets into some of his old stuff. It's he's, it's the same flavor as like it used to be. I don't know. He's disappointed me on that one. So I may I may get off my Lupe Fiasco train just because um, I don't like I don't like his new stuff. 
definitely a Springsteen song for sure. There's no doubt. I would have, uh, you know, some hip hop and then it would be a Springsteen song. I don't know which one, maybe Badlands. Maybe t- I think I mentioned 10th Avenue freeze out would probably be the one. I think that's the one I mentioned last time. That's one of my favorite songs. So let's go with that. Let's go with 10th, Ave- 10th Avenue freeze out from Springsteen. It, um, the, the whole at bat walk up songs, uh, do you remember uh, how Jeter, um, it, like you could kind of tell, if you go back and look at, if you Google like Derek Jeter um, walk up song history, um, I remember seeing a list of it and it, it's, it's literally just pulled from like America's top 40 each year. Well, the last one he did was the Jay-Z song, right? The one, the, uh, the Jay-Z and uh, Alicia Keys. Now you're in New York. That was like the song of the 09 championship. I know, but he, I think, wasn't that one of the last ones he started walking up to? Because he started getting all, um, it was actually Possibly. pretty awesome. I think it was, it was a pretty cool song to walk into, actually. No, yeah, that, no, I agree. It's just funny to look at, it, it kind of goes with the times, like whatever was on the, on the top charts yeah. in the late 90s and the early 2000s. Got some Eminem thrown in there, I think. Derek Jeter knows how to make people happy. Uh, you know, what, what can you he say? He also knows how to get people pregnant. He does. Did you see the news? Apparently, yes, yes. I for, we didn't even talk about that. The big news. Daddy Jeter. We're going to, I love how, we're all ex- I think I got an MLB at bat update that Derek Jeter and Hannah Davis were expecting. And I swear I saw a picture of Beyonce with Derek Jeter's face on it. <laughs> yes. J- uh, Justin put that in our, fa- our uh, Facebook group. Yeah. That was disturbing. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, so yeah. Um, somehow go back and listen to that first ever episode. Um, did you, so you went back, you said you tried to listen to it. You couldn't though. I was just, I forgot after, again, this is one of those things I meant to go listen to. And then I forgot I was looking on iTunes at the time and then it completely left my brain after that. So I'm sure, I'm sure, uh, those episodes are uh, terrible. They're probably terrible. (laughs) Uh, next message is from Ricardo. He says with all this youth movement and the Yankees finally trusting the kids, it got me thinking about the nineties and two thousands and even further back. If you look at all the success the Yankees have had, some of it has come through smart free agency, but it has mainly been a product of their own system and trades. The Giambi, Arod, Sheffield, Brown, etc. moves were big money. Uh, were big money moves? Um, yeah, were big money. Andrew, <laughs> the commas in the wrong place. They were big money moves, comma, but they weren't the uh, successes the boss and fans were hoping for. So I guess my question is. When people say the Yankees buy their championships, aren't they technically wrong? It doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. You know, I used to get in, when I was in college, I used to have this argument all the time. It used to piss me off. There was a, a buddy of mine, Tyler. It's because it matters. You know, you could say it doesn't matter, but it matters. No, now it doesn't matter is, my, is what I really meant. At that point, yes, it was an argument that all the Red Sox fans have kept coming at. Before 04, that's all they would say. That's the only thing they would say. They just kept leaning on, you buy your championships. And I could not handle it anymore. We used to get into like knockdown dragout fights when I was in college because I thought they were so stupid and the dumbest people alive when they would come at me with these stupid theories. And they were just so mad because they haven't won anything. And they were, they were just looking at me with pure jealous eyes. And it was fine and I understood that. But no, yeah, did they? Yes, they did. <laughs> okay, they did. They bought a lot of really good players. The Yankees were throwing money at people when a lot of teams were not. And now everybody's throwing money at team at, at players. It doesn't matter anymore. It's with the luxury tax and and all the the balance that the, that the um, that Major League Baseball has implemented. It's working. You're seeing teams that are 
uh, spending a ton of money, not doing as well. You're seeing teams that are competing on lower budgets. You know, there's probably, um, as far as competition throughout the season, it seems like there's a lot more parity now. What do you consider buying a championship? Here's what I consider. I don't think they bought the 90s uh, championships because the main play, the most right. important players on those teams were homegrown. Agree. However, I do kind of feel like they bought the 09 championship because they don't win it without CC Teixeira and even AJ Burnett, and they bought all those players. Well, see, that was so. The- I feel like the most important players on the roster need to be homegrown. Otherwise, you bought a championship. I agree with that, but at the same time, um, you got to have these players gel together. You just the fact, just because you we know this because the Yankees have assembled uh, you know a team of high priced guys that have been terrible. So the fact that these guys have to gel together, they have to be the right, the right purchases, the right guys to to fit into the the puzzle, and that's why those teams in the '90s were so good was because we did have a lot of guys. Yes, they were getting paid a lot, but they were homegrown guys. That's why I never understood the argument that the Yankees bought their championships at any point in the '90s. Because they didn't. They grew these guys, they paid them, and then they brought in complimentary pieces. Maybe they, you know, they paid some. And, and at that point, if you look back at, at the way guys were signing, people wanted to play for the New York Yankees at that point. That's really not the case anymore where people want to go and play for a specific team as much. It's, it just doesn't, it's not the same, uh, it's not the same feeling as it used to be no. in the uh, Well, in the New York 90s. still... I still think New York has a draw, but it's it's way diminished from. It's just 10, different because you're ago. because of social media, because of all the the marketing channels that are out there now. You can you can make a name for yourself in Kansas City or, you know, in a in a smaller market. What do you think? Uh, what do you think? Take away the the current rosters. What do you think the most desirable baseball city is for a free agent? I still think it's New York. I, I still think New York's the city to be in if you're talking about the desirable. You're, you're talking about off the field, right? Because if that's what you're no, talking like about. No, like if you were a free agent, if you take your average free agent, he's looking to sign a $100 million contract. Yeah. Take the, the current rosters and winning out of it. Let's just assume everyone's on a level playing field. What do you think his top choice would be? Well, I have an answer. If that's the case, then people are going to the warm weather. Yeah, they're going to – well, I mean, the summer is is warm anyway, but – in New York, it's warm in the summer, but then you you got to live in the South in the offseason. So I feel like L.A. Uh, or Miami would be top choices. I guess, but like you said, they have different houses. They they go to different places. These guys really aren't. It's not a problem for them. So I don't know. I still think the fact because you have to take into consideration what your your capacity is off the field. And if we're talking about off the field with all the things that are off the field, marketing, advertising dollars, all that stuff. Then it's New York. It's the big markets. That's where that's where you want to go. If you want to be a superstar, you go to a, a town where you can be a superstar. Yeah, Pittsburgh. I mean Pittsburgh. It, t- cities like Pittsburgh, you can't argue have the same cachet that New York does. It's just I don't care about social media. I don't care about the internet. I don't care how far you can build a brand outside of uh, major cities. It just doesn't. That's the bottom line. No, but it's you can do it way more now than you ever could. Yes. Sure, but still not as big. Right. And that that question from Ricardo about buying championships actually uh, kind of relates to a voicemail we got. Uh, we got a voicemail from Tom, so let's take a listen to that right now. So, guys, first time caller here, Tom Cronin, Tom Cronin 161 on Twitter. Uh, just started listening to the show a few weeks ago. Big fan of it. Um, I'm right on the border of Massachusetts and Connecticut, so I live right in the hotbed of the Yankees-Red Sox rivalry. Uh, my first thing, I got two things. My first thing is that I don't get all the hate. I don't want to say hatred, but all the uh, all the riffraff that 
Yankee fans, some Yankee fans give Brian Cashman, Joe Girardi, and Hal Steinbrenner. I mean, you can't say they don't put money into the team. They spent half a billion dollars in 2014 with McCann and Ellsbury and Tanaka and Beltron and a few years before that with the 09 team, which was basically bought too. Um, I, you know, Cashman rebuilt the farm system. Uh, they compete. They, they haven't had a losing season since 92. Shut the f*** up. And I'm not talking to you guys. I'm talking about all these fans that, you know, you can't win the World Series every goddamn year. And the fact that they've had this winning, this winning season streak for 20-plus years says a lot about the organization. And I don't see that streak ending anytime soon, even though a lot of predictions are they could be 81 and 81 this year. But I expect maybe an 85 to 87 win team, uh, no less than 81 wins, though, in my eyes. And the other thing, thanks for being one of the better Yankee blogs out there. So I appreciate Bronx Pinstripes getting the real message out to fans and having actual good opinions. Uh, so keep doing the great work, and I uh, look forward to your guys' responses to my questions. Thank you. Okay, thanks, Tom, for the voicemail. I'm laughing a little bit, Scott, because towards the end of Tom's voicemail, he threw a little bit of a dig at a comp- uh, competitive website of ours. Yeah, so we're not playing it on the air, Tom, just because <laughs> we don't want to start. We're not, uh, we're not knocking other people down. You know, they do their thing. <laughs> we don't we do want to start thing. website battles. We're just we're just not worried about other other websites doing their thing. That's fine. They got their thing. We got our thing. And but uh, Tom, let me just say I agree with you. <laughs> yeah, just, you're not you're not that far off. But um, yeah, the he 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 definitely gets animated about this stuff. So you know, what are your what are your thoughts about Cashman, Steinbrenner, and Girardi? Yeah. Um, I I agree. I think I think Cashman probably gets. I hate the fire Cashman. You know how the fire cash hashtag fire Cashman gets going on Yankees Twitter. I hate that because I still think that everything that comes with being the Yankees GM is pretty difficult. And I'll get on Cashman. I've got on Cash, Cashman a million times, like for the Jacoby Ellsbury signing, for not signing Robinson Cano. The list goes on. But I I still think, and especially where we are now, Cashman's done a good job. Girardi. <laughs> I'll get on year Girardi. For Girardi. This is a big year for Girardi and Cashman. I mean, Cashman's a free agent. Um, Cashman signed. Do they call him free agents? No. Last year of Cashman's hanging, deal. Hanging duck. Uh, uh, dead dead duck. What's it called? It's <laughs> lame duck. Lame duck. <laughs> <laughs> Girardi is a lame duck manager. I think if Girardi goes out there and puts up like seventy five wins, he'll get canned. Again, though, I don't see that happening. Like Tom said, he thinks this is a mid-80s team. That's probably a little bit optimistic. Um, high 80s would be optimistic. But every year that Girardi's been there, he's got them over 500. The team has been plus 500 for three decades, it seems, at this point. I'm 30. I'm almost 30 years old, and pretty much my entire baseball-watching life, they've been above 500. Yeah, I, I mean... I'm, I've been talking about this for a while. I like Cashman. I like what he does. I like everything he's done in the past two to three years. I think there's been a lot of very good stuff uh, that's setting this team up for the future. I think Steinbrenner is different than his father. He's putting himself. He's definitely more more conscious about the the budget, and it's a different game now. You have to be to an extent because of the luxury tax. I mean, the luxury tax is a game changer to me with with the way that you manage your roster, the way that you manage your budget. So you have to be conscious of that stuff. And Girardi, the reason, not even just because he's a lame duck manager this year, but I think it's such a big year for him because he's got such a young team now and the Yankees do have to make this decision. If they're moving forward into the future with this young team, they're going to want a manager who can, who can grow with this team. And if Girardi's not the guy and they, and they really do feel that way, which I don't think they feel that way, but if they did, if this was a disaster of a season, they got to make that change now because 
these guys are all ready to come up, if not up already. And there are guys that are almost ready to, uh, to be on this roster. So there needs to be somebody in place with a system that needs to be in place and uh, with building blocks and security and, and some, uh, a sense of, of you know, that these guys have someone they can trust. And I do think Girardi's probably that guy. We've talked about this at nauseum as well with how he, you know, I think his best manager years is when he's working with younger rosters. He can relate better. I don't think Girardi enjoys managing these contracts. It's not his style. So we're going to see, I think, the true Girardi this year with, uh, with the position players. Unfortunately, I think we've already seen the true Girardi with the bullpen and the pitching staff. But I think we're going to see a very different guy now with, uh, with the position young player. So I, I, you- I think that he's going to be on the – both of these guys will be extended. Can you believe this is Girardi's 10th season with the Yankees managing? Yeah, it went fast. Definitely went fast. He's been there almost as long as Joe Torre was. Yeah, it's crazy to think about. Um, Then his playing days, too. I mean, he's been around for a long time. Yeah, he's a Yankee through and through. Uh, I don't really have much to add to what you just said. I I definitely agree with it. Um, Tom, thank you for the voicemail, um, and thank you for the laugh about that other website. All right, we have one final thing. It's from Sock Therapy. Uh, He's got another game for us. So he says... What's going on, fellas? Since my buddy Earl spoke so highly of the show, I've been burning to make my guess who I am. So here are some clues. I played my entire 16-year career with the Yankees. I have a 297 lifetime batting average with the Yankees. I have the fifth most hits as a Yankee with 2,336, the seventh most home runs as a Yankee with 287, and the seventh most RBIs with 1,257. I have the sixth most games played as a Yankee with 2,076. Uh, this is about where I started to guess who it was. I don't know about you. Yeah, I was started, I had a couple people in my mind at number two, and I think at this point I already ha- I had it. Yeah, so uh, he goes on. I was the AL batting champion once uh, and an all-star five times. And then That's he says, yeah. The Yankees were under 500 in my first two years, then over 500 the rest of my career. That definitely solidified it. I feel like everyone listening should have gotten it by now. Clue number seven, the same person and or group owned the Yankees over the course of my entire career, um, meaning the ownership has never changed. Number eight, my number is retired by the Yankees, but I am not in the Hall of Fame. I fell off the ballot after my second year of eligibility. Clue number nine, the Yankees were 69 and 47 in the playoffs during my career. We were also 17 and 8 in the in uh playoff series, winning it all four times. I only played under two managers in my career. So Scott, tell everyone who this is. Bernie Baseball Bernie Williams. Burn baby burn. Listen, Sock, you got to make him a little more difficult than this cuz uh, I think both shorter, of- please. We <laughs> you're you're making Andrew read 10 clues. I mean, it's like it's like walking a plank. It's terrible. I, I, although you did well on this one, you redeemed yourself quite, quite well only, on this one. I only screwed up on the other one because of the punctuation. Mm. Miss, damn, those damn missing commas. Yeah, yeah, that was Bernie Williams. That was that was pretty easy. I got that. I mean, I had a guess after number two, and then uh, yeah, just I just started narrowing down from there. You asked me pretty much any trivia uh, from the 1990s to 2000s Yankees. I'm I'm pretty confident I can get it. Um. Uh, Bernie, uh, I, I know we've said this a thousand times, but I hate that Bernie was left off the core four. Yeah, it doesn't feel right. It really doesn't. And I don't know if that was just a marketing thing because core four sounds great. You know, Fab Five was already taken, but 
They could have they could have brought Fab Five back. They could have done it. He should be yeah, on. I mean, that. he was a he was every he was every a, bit a part of that. He, he was their center fielder and number four hitter for the entire championship run. I don't know how much more important you can get. And he was homegrown. Right. He's a Yankee. Uh, I, I, in that book I read about Buster, um, a lot of the Yankees executives did not view Bernie as an elite player, which is why they kind of held his uh, feet to the fire when they were looking to re-sign him at the, in the uh, late 90s. I think Bernie and Posada are are similar caliber players when you're talking about overall careers and you're talking and you're looking back at a guy. I think I don't know. To me, they're they're kind of in the same ballpark. They both kind of they fell off. Both of them fell off early in the Hall of Fame um, voting. Well, you know what it is? They they played in a time where gaudy numbers right. stood out, but they were both so very good players. Bernie never hit 50 home runs, but guess what? He batted 300 pretty much every year in his prime. He won the batting title. He hit 30 home runs or 25 home runs. He drove in over 100 RBIs. He played a tremendous center field. I don't know how much more complete of a player you can get. Same goes for Posada and and being a solid catcher. I mean, but they don't have the 55 home run season that that sticks out like a a sore thumb, like a pimple right on your nose. It's kind of a shame because I think if he did play in a different era – you know, maybe people will be talking about him in the grand scheme of things a little bit differently. Oh God! If, Not to mention if he wore those Bernie glasses. Played, those are some classic glasses, early Bernie. If Bernie played right now, he'd be one of the considered one of the ten best players in the game. I mean, because he was an all-around player. He had all the. He couldn't throw. Other than that, he was an all all-around player. Yep, I miss Bernie. He was a he was a <laughs> hell of a player. And now he's fat. He's a hell of a guitarist now. All right. Uh, thank you to everyone who submitted mailbag questions and Tom for submitting the voicemail. We definitely hope to get more voicemails as the regular season gets underway. Get in touch with the show at Yankees Podcast. You can tweet me at, at Andrew underscore talk. You can tweet no, Scott wrong. at Scott Reinen. You forgot, you forgot your own Twitter handle. What did I say? <laughs> you said Andrew underscore talk. <laughs> Jesus. It used to be Yankees underscore talk. Now it's Andrew underscore Rotondi. Wow. Dude, it's been a long-ass day. I've been up since 6 in the morning. Uh, Voicemail, 646-480-0342. The fan shop promo code was pitchers and catchers, all one word, and don't misspell it. Scott, out in San Francisco, any last words? I got nothing. I'm ready to to get back to the East Coast. This West Coast thing is uh, is a little strange. Everything is way too early. I'm ready. I'm ready to get yeah, back. Imagine to watching baseball games at four in the afternoon every day. Yeah, I mean, I could get used to it probably, but everybody's a little too nice out here. I need. I need to get back to the East Coast where people are jaded and, and will yell at me if I look at them all. Good stuff. Happy Valentine's Day, everyone. Talk to you next. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show. We'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.